We're going to talk a little bit about that this morning, about the call of God and about having a kingdom mindset. We're continuing our Kingdom Come series where we're doing our studies on the various aspects of the kingdom of God. And our scripture today is going to come from Matthew chapter 11, if you want to turn there in your Bibles. But first, let's consider some of the misunderstandings about what the Christian faith is. A lot of people in the media will talk about Jesus, but not really talk about him as the Son of God. They'll say, you know, he's a good man, great moral teacher, showed us how to live, and if, if the Christian church would just live like Jesus, then everything would be okay. And they'll, they'll say things like, well, Jesus was a Jewish carpenter. He kind of came and formed an offshoot of Judaism called Christianity. But, you know, it, it, he really didn't have that big of an impact on, on the world. And it's just another religion. And, you know, it's, it's not a very, a very big deal at all. Uh, some people would say that, you know, Jesus and Christianity, it's about being a good person. You know, as long as you live by the Ten Commandments, or at least you try yeah, everything will be okay. You'll be a good person. God will welcome you into heaven. He knows that you're going to mess up and you're going to fail. I mean, because after all, aren't all Christians kind of hypocrites anyway? I had this discussion with somebody this week. And he goes, oh, I don't go to that church because they're hypocrites. And oh, yeah, 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 the Catholic church, they're hypocrites. The Baptist church, they're hypocrites. The Methodist church, they're hypocrites. The Assembly of God church, they're worse. They're the worst hypocrites at all. You know, they're, they're all hypocrites. And it was an interesting discussion. I said, but aren't we all hypocrites? Uh, don't we all act out in a certain way? That's what hypocrite is, as an actor. I said, we all put on a face. We all never live up to even our own expectations of ourselves. We all mess up. We're all hypocrites at some point in our life, which is why, by the way, we need a Savior. And that's what Christianity is about. And all these points that the world brings up are true to a point, but even as a group, they really don't adequately describe everything that our faith is about. And there are some truths about our faith that should really, really change us at a very deep level. And with the re recent advent of liberal theology, there's been a real de-emphasizing in a lot of things. A lot of people would say, well, you know, God isn't all about the whole judgment and hell thing. God isn't about, you know, you know uh, pushing people into a fiery furnace. He's, he's not really about that. And you know this whole holiness thing? I mean, if Jesus came for the sins of the world, then we should be able to do whatever we want, right? All we have to do is just go and confess and, and, and just keep going on and living our lives. You know, you guys, are, you guys are just way too serious about this. What do you mean you don't smoke? I mean, what, do you, I mean, what if you're at a party? And, you know, what if there's drinking involved? I mean, you're not going to have a beer with your friends? I mean, what, what's, what's going on? What, what are you guys all about? You know, God understands. I mean, Jesus changed water into wine. Why can't you guys have a drink? Or why can't you guys do this? Or go to the, the casino and go gambling with us? He goes, you guys are just holy rollers. What's, what's up with all this kind of stuff? And there's just this liberal theology that's de-emphasizing the idea of a healthy fear of the Lord. And there's a lot of Christians here that are believing this. There's a lot of people that are following this kind of a theology of this easy believism. And so what's happening is a lot of people who call themselves Christians or a lot of churches who say we are the church of Jesus Christ, you really don't see lives that are being lived any different than the unbeliever. You don't see a difference in them at all. And so I want to frame the verse that we are going to read in a moment. 
And I want to bring up an important point. One of the popular preaching points today is that Jesus loves you and has an amazing plan for your life. And Jesus died so that you can have life, you can have wealth, and you can have favor both on earth and in heaven. Now, is this true? To a point. To a point, there's some truth in that. But what they don't often say is that the Christian faith began with a death. When we come to Jesus in faith believing that he died for our sins and rose again, we take upon ourselves that death and then we get eternal life as long as we continue to abide in him. Amen? But that doesn't really make a good Christian bumper sticker, does it? That doesn't look good on a bumper sticker. It doesn't look good on a Christian t-shirt. Not going not gonna to sell a lot of t-shirts that said, I'm a Christian, I'm dying. Yeah, people, that's not going to be very popular, is it? But Jesus was very adamant with Nicodemus in John chapter 3 when he said, you must be born again. Now think about everything that Jesus that is wrapped up in that one little verse, you must be born again. What was Jesus saying? He's saying, Nicodemus, quit focusing on what you think this life is about and embrace the truth that you are a spiritual being and not just a physical one. You're a spiritual being having a temporarily earthly experience. And why did Jesus emphasize this so much? Because flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And that means everything you think you bring into the kingdom from your past life is gone. To be effective in the kingdom of God, to move simply be, or move beyond just your salvation experience, means to allow God to change your entire mindset. Because a kingdom mindset is antithetical to the one that the world tries to give you. It means that you have to be willing to set aside your plans, your life, your dreams, and even your possessions. And it's a very hard thing for us in our earthly condition to accept that we have to give things up for the kingdom of God, that we have to change even the way that we think about our lives. Now, if you think about it, our salvation experience is, a, is an act of violence, if you think about it. I mean, we're talking about dying to ourselves, following Jesus into, uh, into a death on a cross and being risen again with him. That's a pretty violent thing when you think about it. And if you are newer in the faith, which I know most people here aren't, it's a complete change from what you think you know about life. I've often said that's a salvation experience for a person, and it was like this with me when I got saved. It was like I was an American dropped in the middle of India, not knowing anything where I am. I don't understand the language. I don't understand the terminology. I don't understand the rules. I don't understand the culture. All I know is I'm sitting in this church with about 600 other people, and they're all speaking a different language, talking about different things. I don't understand a thing that's going on, and nobody is stopping to teach me anything. That's what salvation is like for many people. And that's why Jesus describes the conversion experience as kind of a violent action in Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, where he said, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Let's pray. Father God, I ask, Lord, that you just help us to change our mindset this morning. 
from a mindset of the flesh, from a mindset that, that thinks only about the things of this world, that, that is worried only about our physical comforts here, and changes it into a soldier's mindset that we are in the army of the Lord, we have a mission to accomplish, and until you call us home, we are to be about that mission in our lives. There is no real retirement this side of eternity. Let us have that kind of mindset. That if we're going to cross the finish line, we're going to cross the finish line running at full speed for you. Because we're going to be doing it in your power, in your will, and for your purpose, Father, not for ours. Lord God, let that be our heartbeat this morning as we study your word and hear your word being preached. In your name and for your glory, amen. Now let me define what a mindset is. A mindset is a fixed mental attitude or a disposition that predetermines a person's responses to and interpretation of situations. Okay, so this is just a way of thinking, another way of saying this is a worldview, a way that we are going to view the world and interact with the world because of a core set of beliefs that we have, uh, in this case, in the Bible and the kingdom of God. Now, there's three different mindsets that make up kind of a total warrior and kingdom mindset. And the first one is the mindset of salvation, I want to just tell everybody today and remind everybody that salvation is a deliberate act. Salvation is not something you were born into. It is not something because you were baptized in a church 50 years ago that you're automatically in the kingdom. It is not something because your parents were Christians that you automatically now become a Christian. You don't get to inherit your salvation. You don't just stumble into it. It is a deliberate act of your will assisted by the Holy Spirit to see yourself as a helpless sinner in need of salvation, in need of a Savior. To know that there is no possible way that you could ever earn your salvation. But you are a, but as, this, as the hymn said, oh to grace how great a debtor. That has to be our mindset when we look at ourselves and look at salvation. It's just like... You don't fall off of a bus one day into a military base and all of a sudden you're a soldier. You just don't take the wrong train one day and end up at Fort Dix or, or Fort Benning and they throw a uniform on you. No, you have to deliberately go to a recruiter, sign a piece of paper, and enter into the military. And that's why passivity in the kingdom is not allowed. It can't be. There are too many people that I talk to at work when I talk to, about, talk to people about God that have this kind of fatalistic mindset about God where they said, oh, God's going to do what God's going to do. I might go to hell. I might go to heaven. I don't know. He'll make the decision when I get there. And it, it just it, it breaks my heart and drives me crazy for them in the same time. And, I mean, how many people do you know that are that lackadaisical about their eternal destiny? I mean, every one of us could probably come up with somebody. Or even worse, they come up with a thing, oh, I know I'm going to hell, there's nothing I can do about it. And I say, you're right, there isn't anything you can do about it, but I can introduce you to somebody who can. And that's what we need to focus on with them and not let them get away with just, just kind of trying to be that lackadaisical. God, God has a plan for every single person here. And I tell people that. 
It's revealed to us in Genesis 18 with Abraham. God has plans for you. He has a mission for you. He even told Abraham, he said, you know, am I going to do this thing with Sodom over here without telling one of my servants who lives right there? I'm going to go tell him. That's the desire that God has for us. That's a mindset that we have to have for him. And that's really mind-blowing if you think about it. You know, I talk about things that just blow my mind in the scriptures all the time, and this is one of them, that God from creation, eternity past, before he even thought about creating the universe, had this planned out for this message be preached here in this little church in Whitehall, Wisconsin, from eternity past, had this just little thing planned out, that he knew it was going to happen just like this. Doesn't that just kind of blow your mind when you think about the incredible knowledge and omniscience of God? I mean, you were part of what God was thinking at the same time he was telling the galaxy how to work. When he was ordering microbes in the dirt to be able to grow the corn out there, he had a plan for your life at the same time. He had that on his mind. Think about that for a minute. Isn't that incredible? You get to be part of his plan, just like Abraham did, just like Jacob did, just like everybody in the, in the Bible that you read about that God used. He has a plan just like that for your life. You know, we see all these great people in the Bible that were used of God. Just think of everybody who the Bible doesn't talk about. I mean, John just said, you know, Jesus had three years of ministry, and John said, I can't even, there couldn't be enough books on and the earth to, say, to record everything Jesus did in three years. Think of all of the saints of the past, the things that they have done, that God orchestrated all that and made that happen. You get to be part of his plan. And this is part of your kingdom mindset. And just like the, a soldier, though, you need to train. You need to report for duty. You need to obey the orders of your superior officers knowing that they're under authority just as you are and obeying their orders, just like a soldier. It's part of having that, that kingdom and warrior mindset. And that's why we need to be very single-minded to preserve our salvation. That's why the Bible says to cast aside all those things that so easily entangles us and run with perseverance the race that is set before us. Cast it aside. Jesus said it's better for you to go into, life, into eternal life maimed. He said if your eye causes you to offend, pluck it out. If your hand causes you to offend, cut it off. Remove all things that are going to entangle you in this life and make sure you can run with perseverance the race that he has for you. Not the race that, that he has for me. Not the race that he has for Roger or anybody else here. He has a race for you. And that is incredibly important that you need to discover that for yourself in life. And just like a military member, we need to keep our focus in order to survive in war. I don't know if you realize this, but we're at war. If you are a Christian here, you're in a war. Whether you're not a Christian, you're in a war. We exist in a state of war. There is a spiritual conflict happening right now, even in this room, in people's hearts, as I'm speaking the word of God. There is an incredible struggle happening where we decide, are we going to yield to what is being said, or are we going to ignore it? That, that struggle is very real. That war is occurring right now. 
And just like a military member, we need to keep our focus in order to survive in war because too often we are distracted by the things of life. How many people know there's a Packer game on right now? Anybody looking at your watch? It's, it's later tonight, don't worry. Even if we run a little later, you're still going to be able to see the game. But I can't tell you how many times I, I was standing in the pulpit, bringing the word of God, seeing people fall under conviction, running to the front, giving their lives to the Lord, and seeing people with a Packer jacket sneak out the back because the Packer game was on at noon and we were going a little long. I mean, how, how does that look to God? How does that look to God? Instead of standing there in the back celebrating people coming and getting right with God, you're more worried about a football game. I bet you in a, week, in, in a couple weeks, you don't even remember what happened in that game. And you're running out when you see eternal things, ha uh, things of eternal significance happening. Or hobbies, hunting season's coming up. There'll be people out hunting and missing church. There'll be people that choose... Now, I know sometimes we have to work. You know, I work until 6 a.m. this morning. I understand people have to work. I work some Wednesdays. I understand that, you know, I owe, I owe, so it's off to work, I go. I mean, I, I understand that we have to take care of ourselves and our families and we have to work. But people who choose to work when they should be in church, that's just wrong. You're, you're saying, God, you're not my provider. I am. So I have to work when your people are meeting. Some people get so worried about their family. I've, I hear this all the time. Well, Sundays is the only day I get to spend family time with my family. Well, what's your family time look like? Kids are parked in front of a video game. You're parked in front of a TV somewhere in some other room, and you're calling that your family time? I mean, come on. Come on. I always say, you know, this, this nose right here from being a paramedic for over 25 years, it has a finely tuned baloney detector right here. I can just smell that when, you, when people start shoveling that kind of stuff to me. But what are we told? What are we told as serious Christians? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these other things. I understand hobbies. I love hobbies. I'm a, you know, I'm a fireman by, by choice and because it does serve the kingdom also. But I love being a fireman. I love being on the, on the fire department here. But if there's a training happening right now, guess where I'm at? I'm here. Not just because I'm the pastor, but because this is where I want to be. I don't miss that kind of stuff. I, you have to have your priorities in, in check there. But too many Christians act like, act like well, just well, let me back up. Think about a soldier who you have two armies sitting there right next to each other, and there's going to be a battle in the morning. What would you think about some soldiers who kind of sneak around the sentries, go over into the enemy's camp, have fun and party and play poker or whatever with them all night, and then kind of sneak back and try to make it back through the sentries to, to back into their own army. But how many Christians are like that? It's like, okay, I want to go have fun over here in the world for a while, but then I'm going to show up at church once in a while over here and hope that God doesn't mind. God sees that. He knows your heart. You can't mess with him like that. And I'm not telling you this just to make sure that our attendance numbers here look good. I'm telling you this for your own good. God sees this. God sees this. And he is a, he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek them, not, the, not people who just do it when it's convenient for them. 
That's why we always need to remember that coming to faith in Jesus involves your death. You have to die to all those things. 1 Corinthians 6 says that, For you were bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. You are not your own. You're not your own. I'm not my own. I don't get to call the shots anymore. Every time I call the shots, I mess it up anyway. I could, 23 years of my life and probably another 15 years of my Christian, so, Christian experience, I messed it up. I'm not, you're not your own. And this has to be our focus in life. So when we kneel at the cross of Jesus, we lose all rights to ourselves. I experienced this first before I became, even became a Christian in July 17, 1988. I signed a piece of paper that says, I will defend the Constitution of the United States with everything I have up to and including my life. When we get saved, we spiritually do the same thing. And the military taught me many valuable lessons. It taught me teamwork. It taught me obedience, submission to authority, even when I disagreed and even when I hated my superior officers at times. Watching out for my fellow soldiers, even when they were not performing. What do you think would happen if the church where we serve God, each other, and our community would serve with that kind of an attitude? What would happen in Whitehall here if we serve with this attitude? And that is why Jesus said that violent men take a hold of the kingdom. Because it involves us struggling, it involves us having that single-minded attitude toward our king and toward his kingdom. And once we get that mindset about our initial salvation and the way we serve the kingdom of God, we have to have a mindset to help us keep our salvation. Hebrews 12.1 says that, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race that the race marked out for us. If the American church is guilty of anything in the last 10 or 20 years, it's laziness. We have a tendency to be very lazy about our our faith. And I can be as guilty as anyone. You know, we have more resources than any other generation that has ever existed on this planet to learn about Christ. We have more resources. We have TV stations. Here in, in Whitehall, we have three different radio stations that are committed to preaching the gospel. Three of them. At least in my car radio, I found three of them. We have free internet sites that rival most seminary libraries for free. You could, you could be a theologian. You could teach yourself. You have videos that will teach you Greek. You can read the scriptures for free in their original languages. But we won't, we won't do it. We're flooded with the gospel. We're sitting at this gigantic buffet of awesome food, and we're too lazy to reach down and take a bite. I think there's a proverb that says something about that. Amos, even, Amos described it this way. God speaking through this prophet. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine upon the land, not a famine of bread nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. 
They shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east. They shall run to and fro, seeking the word of the Lord, but shall not find it. We are starving to death, surrounded by a banquet of food. Because people just won't partake in it. We have to remember that first and foremost, as much as we are to come here to the house of God, to hear the word of God being preached and taught, that we have to seek the Lord for ourselves. Salvation is a personal thing. I will do my best as your pastor to make sure that you are educated in the things of God, that I motivate you to want to serve, but ultimately you stand before God by yourself. And there's not going to be any finger pointed when you get there. So I just encourage you, you need to seek the Lord for yourself. It's not just on Sundays, and it's not just for the few of you that come on Wednesdays. It is every day, every moment, every second of your life. As I established before, when we get saved, you're enrolled in the army. And this is a reality that most Christians refuse to acknowledge. When you're in the military, you are to report for formation. Your sergeant will be having a moment of intense fellowship with you. And why is this discipline so important? Why am I hammering on this so much this morning? Because armies fight battles. That's the whole purpose of an army, is to fight a battle. And they fight against an enemy that wants to destroy them and everything else around them. Does that sound familiar to what we experience in the spirit? And we're at war, and in order to survive and to thrive in this war, we need to have that soldier's mindset about the kingdom. And I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking, you know what? I work so many hours a week. I work a hard job. I'm exhausted most of the time. And now you're telling me I have to take time and fight in a battle? Well, I have, a good, I have some good news for you about that. It's kind of a paradox in the kingdom of God that's, that's almost antithetical to the way the world thinks about rest. David discovered something about life. So I want you to listen to what David has to say. And he was a warrior king. When, and how he spoke of how we are to exist during this time. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. Do you dwell in that secret place this morning? Shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In him will I trust. Surely he will de shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You will not, you will not, you will not be afraid of the terror by night nor the arrow that flies by day nor the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. Listen to these promises. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. So be a David this morning. Find your strength in God. You need to put aside everything else that distracts you from that if you're going to survive in these last days. 
The heat has been turned up from where it was in 1950. The oven is blazing hot to compare to where it was in 1980. In the 90s and 2000s, we thought everything was on fire. It's nothing compared to the blast furnace that's coming. If you don't stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. All other ground is shifting sand, but Christ is our solid rock. It doesn't matter how many spiritual grenades go off next to us. It doesn't matter how many arrows the enemy tries to fling at us. He is your rock. He is your protection. Jesus is your strength and your fortress. And finally, you need a mindset to serve. A mindset to spread the kingdom. An army's mission is to take and hold ground. If they just sit there in their bases and never do the function to which they signed up for, they get fat and lazy and they're easy to defeat. Every time our country's military has sat back and relaxed and then tried to go out into battle, it has suffered defeat. Any army in history that has gone through this, where they just sit back there in peacetime, they fall apart until they're tested by the, the sting of battle again. And that is why the prime, the, and that is the primary reason that the American church is so weak, is that we lost our burden for winning souls. So I ask you this morning, how many people recently have you told about Jesus? How many people even know that you are a born-again, hopefully spirit-filled Christian? And why is this so important? Because it's crucial to maintain your own salvation. If you don't do it for the king, if you don't do it because you believe in the mission, you need to do it for yourself. Jesus gave a parable in Matthew 25 where he talked about talents. To one person he gives 10 talents and tells them to invest it, tells them that he's going to come back and give an account. To another person he gives five, to another person he gives one. One day he calls these people to account. person he gives 10 talents, master, I earned 10 more for you. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. To the person he gives five. Master, look, I earned five more for you. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. The person he gave one talent, that person questioned the very nature of God. He questioned the goodness of God. And he said, you know what? I just went and buried it. I, I didn't trust you. I didn't trust that you were a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. He made a decision where he said, I'm just going to bury it. I'm not even going to try because I don't trust you. What did that person, what was that person's reward? Get away from me. You wicked, useless, worthless servant. Take that talent that I gave him and give it to the person who had 10. And he was cast out into utter darkness. This is a spiritual reality of the way we live. Everybody thinks Jesus was just this nice guy that preached nice things. He was a pretty rough character when you really break down his teaching. Very realistic in the way that, that he saw life and the way he told us to live life. Our focus determines our reality. And the way that we grow in Christ is by working for Christ. You can't grow in him if you're not working for him. And ultimately, one day you're going to be judged according to the way that you have worked for him. Jennifer, if you want to come back up, please.
Soldiers in battle are giving something called op orders. It means the operation order. We are also given operations order, something that defines our mission. And it tells us exactly how to do it. Jesus said, go and make disciples. Not just converts, not just people that, that make a decision as you stand at their door to get you off their doorstep, but make disciples. That has to be our mission. We can't allow distractions. We can't allow other people to take us off our missions. We need to be focused on the prize. Now, if you're sitting here under conviction, thinking that you have to try harder, you just need to surrender. You can't do it on your own, but Christ can do it if you allow him in. Christ being God in you is the only way to accomplish this mission. And it is not something that you have to, to well up within yourself and motivate yourself to do. You just need to simply bow your knee before Christ and say, Jesus, everything I have is yours. Everything I am in life is yours. Use me as you will. No reservations, no box over here that I'm going to keep for myself. All of it is yours, Lord. He can do it. Thank you for tuning in to the Whitehall Assembly of God podcast. This is Pastor John Oscar, the senior pastor of Whitehall Assembly of God. If these messages have blessed you, I just encourage you to subscribe to these podcasts and you'll be able to hear every single message that comes out of Whitehall Assembly. If you are interested, go on Facebook and like us on Facebook. We do have a Facebook page, Whitehall Assembly, in beautiful Whitehall, Wisconsin. We also have a website that you can visit, whitehallassembly.org, or you can come visit us in person. We are located on the corner of Dewey Street and Sheila Street in Whitehall, Wisconsin. We hope to see you there someday. If these messages have blessed you, I'd just like to encourage you to contribute toward us being able to continue to bring them to you. You can see that on our website, top right corner of the page. If you have any questions, you can contact me at my email, pastorjohnoscar at gmail.com. If you don't mind, I would just like to take a moment to pray for you before we go today. Father God, I just ask, Lord, that every single person who listens to these messages will be brought into a deeper relationship with you through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let them experience the love and forgiveness that Jesus bought for us on Calvary's cross. I ask, Father, that you just use it to enrich their lives, that you use it to make them good ambassadors of the kingdom of God and bring them into your presence someday. Let them be fruitful, let them multiply, and let them be used mightily for you in these last days. Father, I commit them to your care now. In Jesus' name, amen. God richly bless you.